Hey, B. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you a question? Always. What's the one thing when we travel that we always make sure we find? Oh, coffee. You know, bad coffee makes my brain angry. And we've been a lot of places. We've had a lot of coffee. But when we're home, there's only one place that we get coffee from. Yeah. Hacienda Real in Costa Rica. We found this place when we were in Costa Rica a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's a micro roastery using only Costa Rican beans. Their blend is a mix of Arabica and Peaberry. And if you don't know about Peaberry, you need to find out about it because mm. it is amazing. It takes all the bitterness out. All the bitterness out. And we place orders and it's shipped directly to our door. You can get light, medium, or dark roast. You can get ground. You can get whole bean. And it is roasted to order. So there is a date stamped on your coffee so you know when it was roasted and bagged. It's good for a year after you order it. And it is the best coffee that we have ever had. So click the link in our show notes or go to goldenbean.net and use the offer code COFCHR20 for 10% off your order. Hacienda Real. Keep your brain happy. Hey, Dante. Hey, B. Looking pretty smart in your undies. Thanks. I've been doing my deads. <laughs> oh, I can see that. But it's not just what's in them. It's what's on them. Oh yeah, I got on my smart-ass undies. They're not just super comfy. They've got cheeky motivations on them that keep me in the right state of mind. Oh yeah, like we could all use a little brain lift these days, am I right? They're also lovingly made from sustainable, low-impact materials. So we can love the planet and cover our asses all at the same time. Motivate your ass with smart-ass undies. Click the link in the show notes or on the Things We Love page on our website. And remember to enter the discount code CHEATINGONFEAR10 for 10% off your order. Smart ass undies. Cheeky and comfy. Hey everyone, this is Dante. And I'm Beatrice. And this is Cheating on Fear. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. All right, so this one took a little while. <laughs> There was some research involved. Oh, yeah. We got a little Crave subscription. <laughs> yes. And decided that we were going to rewatch what show? Sex in the City. Sex in the City. All right. And we, yeah. we watched it from the very beginning. Well, and this, I'm really excited we're doing this because there's a lot of references. They're doing a reboot now, which I've. I'm so on the fence about watching for obvious reasons. But I mean, we're, we're, you're we'll going to watch it. That. You're going to watch it. But what I find interesting is when we revisit things that you watched and you were in a certain place in your life and I watched and I was in a certain place in my life. And then now we watch it together. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a different In the context experience. of where we are in our lives now and what kind of relationship we have. And... Things are a little bit different. Things are a little different. Yeah. And, and and the time is different. Like when when it when it first aired, it was the mid to late nineties. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, like your perception of a time in history, and then and you think everything's great or everything's fine, and then you go back and you're like, oh. There's some stuff in this that's problematic for sure. Oh yeah. And it was funny to go back and see 
things that at the time I didn't realize were problematic. And then there are things that are just, you know, either episodes or scenes or lines that are just so beloved (laughs) and that have made it into sort of everyday speech. Yeah. And certain, you know, little pieces of wisdom that you carry (laughs) along with you, right? And, and, you know, I thought this would be really fun. I know... (laughs) You weren't super jazzed about the idea of making it a series, but the way we're going to attack it, because there's so much, there's so much in there. Um, I mean, Sex Life was was yeah, only eight episodes. It was only eight episodes. We're, I'm not, we're not going to go in painstaking detail, because most people have seen it. Yes. I've actually, I have a friend of mine, and you know who you are, a little cameo, a little surprise cameo for you. She's never seen it. Oh, no, eh? No, and so, but she's familiar with its work. Of course. And it's one of those iconic series, right? Yeah. I mean, it kind of put HBO on the map. Oh, yes, absolutely. It was one of their biggest series. Like, I never had HBO. I never had HBO. I used to watch it on on City TV, which they would Mm. edit it for time and content. Yeah. And I think it was also on Showcase. Yeah, show, Showcase would have had it. Yeah, but which was a little bit, a, like I think it was. Well, it was on, ca- it was a cable channel, so it was yeah. different. But they both had commercials, and yes. HBO doesn't. So right. there was always these weird cuts and yeah, scenes that didn't make any weird. sense. And and then I think the last time I saw it, sort of in its entirety, before dvds and then crave was when it was on the w network and it was like you could watch it in church that's how much they had edited it and and so much so that there were scenes that we watched on when it was on crave and we were just like oh wow is that what she says yeah (laughs) well and and for our american friends crave is basically crave picks up a lot of the hbo yeah. content for canadian yeah, audiences because yeah, yeah. up until quite recently we couldn't get hbo directly we had to do no. it through a canadian we had to be sneaky yeah well yeah and crave is owned by like one of our big looking at tele- you tlc yeah yeah crave is owned by one of the big don't, telecommunication companies don't make us do that yeah fuck like i can i just get a discovery plus subscription please like mm-hmm. what are you doing Canada wants Discovery Plus. It's like we four need, bucks a month in we the We need to be... I would pay double that, gladly. Oh, easy. If if I got to watch Extreme Cheapskates whenever I wanted, <laughs> so We would get happy. nothing done. No, that's true. No, so maybe it's better. Keep it where it is. So we are going to start with... This episode's going to be season one and two. Yes. Yeah, so cool. we're, so we're going to do... It's going to be like... You think it's going to be a three-parter? Yeah. Okay. You see, you look super excited about that. Well, we'll see. Before we start, though, I just wanted to start with some overall comments. Okay, like overall, like Sex and the City. Yeah, like the series. Big thoughts. Overall, big the big ideas. Okay. And if you have any big ideas, I'll jump in. No, no pun intended. Then uh-huh. I think the number one overarching feeling is that. Samantha is just the fucking best. Yes. Well, followed closely by Carrie is the fucking worst. She's almost the antagonist of the series. <laughs> it it should it, it would have been interesting to see how the perspective would shift a little bit if Samantha was the main character mm-hmm. rather than Carrie being the main character. And but if if Carrie the character was a character She's the character that always thinks she's the main fucking character, no matter what's happening yes. to anybody. And this is why I'm so... Okay, I'm just... 
I just want to say a little something about Samantha and about Kim Cattrall, who plays Samantha. Okay, hold on. Before you do that, if you've been living under a rock for the last 20-something years, Mm -hmm. what is Sex and the City about? Oh, okay, sorry. And then we'll get the Kim Cattrall thing. Sex and the City is a dramatic series about four women Mm -hmm. who are friends in New York. Carrie... Carrie Samantha. is Carrie is the main character, so mm-hmm. it's it's basically about her life. She's a she's a sex columnist yep. in in New York and has this this rent controlled apartment that is just like just like friends, like Whoa. impossible. And her and her three best friends, Charlotte, who mm-hmm. is a gallery She doesn't own it, but she's like a gallery curator, curator or something, yeah. Who's very traditional, very waspy. Yep. And then we have Miranda, who's an attorney, who I think is what a lot of people might think of when they think of a feminist. She's a little bit of the angry feminist. Yeah, kind and of the ball-busting corporate y- woman. Yeah. Like, that's the, that's right? the kind Where of she, stereotype that goes She bristles for. against all things sort of girly and, yeah. and fancy. And then we have Samantha, who I think most people who have seen this series would agree... She is the star of this series. Mm-hmm. And she was written at the time, I think, to be very edgy and very, very sexually adventurous mm-hmm. and just out there on the fringe. And one of the things that I think is so interesting about this character and about this series is that 25 years later, she is basically the icon of sex positivity. Yeah. With with very few exceptions in the series, mm-hmm. she is no perfect for, in, terms, much, in terms of sex much. positivity. And yes, stuff. she's yes. got some few cringy bits. Yeah, uh, but but otherwise, yeah, no, she's she's still she holds up as one of she the best holds, characters. I think she probably holds up the best. Yeah, who's who's second? I'd say Charlotte. I was going to say Charlotte as yeah. well. Yeah, and Charlotte, as traditional as she is. She slayed a lot of dick in she this. She can be judgy, like you just were. Like you just sounded. <laughs> well, you're saying she's really traditional. No, she is traditional. But I think, you know, she slays dick in search for the one. It, she slays dick in search for her prince. And I feel like she kind of predetermines that she looks at potential. She fucks potential is she, basically what she, she, she does. She fucks potential. She fucks potential. That's You can quote me on that. <laughs> and she can be a little bit judgy. However... What I love about Charlotte is that she apologizes when she's wrong mm-hmm. and she's not malicious. Mm-mm. And I think her character arc is quite interesting actually. Yeah, she's got she's I think she's got one of the most interesting arcs through the series. Mm-hmm. Cuz Carrie doesn't change much, Miranda doesn't change much. Mm-hmm. S- Sam stays consistent. I mean, Miranda ends up married with a kid in Brooklyn. Yeah, but I that's mean, but that's not a yeah, I don't find that surprising for her character, though. Oh, I, well, I think it's surprising from where they imagined she was from the beginning. Yeah, I would love to. I would love to pick Darren Star's brain about Candace Bushnell's brain right? about all of this. Okay, so back to overall overarching they, okay, theme. Okay, overarching. And they Kim are Cattrall. obnoxious. Okay. Yeah, don't go. Don't go. If you see them at the brunch table, just don't go. Get, leave because they're going to be the worst. They're so patrons they, they at act a restaurant. Like they're the only people in the restaurant yeah. all the time, with the exception of the first movie where Charlotte screams when Carrie announces 
her engagement. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, don't go to yoga with them. Don't go to a tantric sex. They're gonna wo- talk workshop. through everything. They're gonna talk, laugh, embarrass the fuck out of you. So don't, don't go. Any- yeah. I think at the beginning, I felt like Miranda was the least, least likable of the four. Oh my but God. I, what was that TikTok? It was a. T- <laughs> we saw a TikTok of a young man who was a waiter in New York. Yeah, and at and a he's really gay. really nice restaurant. I don't think that's relevant. No, but, but it is because he's kind of catty, right? That's his whole TikTok thing. That's kind of his thing, yeah. yeah. And the actress who plays Miranda Hobbs came into the restaurant. S- Cynthia Nixon. Cynthia Nixon, who I believe she's into politics now, is she not? I mean, she's got a famous last name for that. Well, yeah. I mean, I, she probably want to distance herself from that. But <laughs> she came in and apparently she was super rude and, and demanding. And I guess she had said to this waiter at some point... Don't you know who I am? With which he responds, the least likable of the four. And it's just like, (laughs) so good. It was tasty. And so I kind of agreed with him. But I, I feel like after watching the entire thing again, I feel like Carrie's the least likable of the four. Yes. I, I feel like in the mid nineties, she was delightfully neurotic. Yeah, she was bohemian and kind of eccentric. I don't know, she, I don't know how and, many bohemians wear well, she like, designer she in, footwear. She was but, into high fashion, but she was kind of eclectic, right? Yeah, but I but yeah, I think by the time we finished this, we were like, oh my god, fuck. We didn't need to finish it for me to get there. I think <laughs> I think from the first season and her interactions with Mr. Big, mm-hmm. that was where I was like. She, what the fuck? What the yeah, fuck? but season one was like they were still trying to find their footing. Yeah, so I, season, think, I feel like you you held out your judgment well, a little okay, longer. But certainly by the end of season two, I was like, she's the fuck absolute fucking chick. worst. Yeah, yeah. She, she's the worst, and not and not just because not because of the dynamic with her and Big, but the way she is with her friends. It's like who would be friends with this woman? No, because I you, wouldn't. You come to her with your problem, and and she goes, oh, and then it's all about her again for. For the rest of the conversation. It's like, you do you, sweetie. By the way, can we talk about me now? And yeah. it's like, oh, we all have one of those. Yeah. And fuck, the, f- fuck yeah. off. Yeah. I want to say the lack of diversity in this series is so noticeable now. Yeah, for New York City of all places. <laughs> this isn't like they yeah. filmed it in, you know, Mississippi or something like that. I mean, you had... I felt like a lot of times when they would bring in other ethnicities, it was either celebrity Mm -hmm. or it was a plot device. Well, if, yeah, I mean, I'm thinking of whenever there was a black person in, in. Yeah. If you, if you take out the black trans sex workers. Yes. There wasn't a lot. No. And they were not nice people no the the sex workers specifically were no but like the black characters would start out nice and then turn do you think that's that's why in the first movie when they brought in uh who's carrie's assistant she was an american Idol. oh jennifer hudson when they brought her in do you think that was a a way to or was that just kind of riding on the coattails of her american idol success which thank you for bringing that up because jennifer hudson stole that movie yeah stole that movie I mean, I, I basically watch it for two things. The scene on the street where Carrie beats Big about the head with a bouquet of flowers <laughs> and Jennifer Hudson. That's yeah. that's pretty much, that's that's it. And, and we for, we can forget the second movie even exists because it's, it's a steaming pile of garbage. I don't even know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it, it's horrible. Um, so, uh, you know, the lack of diversity is a lot more noticeable. I think the only 
I think there's two Asian women, you know, one of them is Lucy Liu playing Lucy Liu. Right. And the other one is like a high powered lesbian. It's it's funny because I, I'm watching Futurama with my kids from the beginning. And there is a whole episode about Lucy Liu. She must have been fucking massive in the late nineties. Oh, you don't remember that? Well, I rem- she was. Massive. I remember. I remember Lucy Liu in Charlie's Angels, mm-hmm. and I don't really remember her in anything else. Well, she was on Ally McBeal. That's where she got her launch. Was she on Ally McBeal? Yeah, that's where oh, she. That's where she got okay. her launch. But I can't help feeling like she was such. She was so palatable to white people at that time yeah. because of because of her freckles. Yeah, that kind of was disarming, right? Yeah, like, and she's from Queens. Right. Right? Yeah, yeah. Bitch, right? And so, yeah, so the lack of diversity is a little is a little and disappointing. Like, I feel like Mindy Kaling would have been a, a wonderful addition to that. She was too young then. I know, but yeah. I, like, anyway, so the, very few black people, very few brown people. But they had some gays. Well, yeah, that that was the other thing I was going to say. Aside from the GBFs. Right. So Charlotte had one and Carrie had one. Yes. So Charlotte had Anthony, yep. whom I love. Anthony's great. He's one of my favorite characters. And Carrie had Stanford. Who, in retrospect, was not the nicest person. He was very catty, but he was a good foil to her because yeah. he actually was one of the only ones who would call her out yeah. and say, excuse me, I've listened to you talk about your shit for 12 fucking blocks and you met someone that means a lot to me and you haven't said anything about this person. So fuck you, basically, and made her apologize. Yeah. So I love Stanford and actually... Well, we'll get to that, but they all, they came like very, very close to like the perfect arrangement, but we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll get and, to that. And sorry, you, you didn't mention Sam works in PR. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sam, Sam owns her, P, her own PR firm. Right. Right. So, so that's so, the four per, kind of professions. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Heteronormativity is the order of the day for the most part, except for the GBFs and then like plot devices around mm-hmm. anything other than straight or gay. Yeah. Um, we'll get into that too. I noticed that Carrie is harboring a lot of internalized misogyny as we go through. Like she's she's pretty judgy. She's super judgy and very competitive. So that those are kind of the, I don't know was if there was any other kind of overarch. Oh, and as a mature woman, I love Big. Yeah, I mean for this episode specifically, when we're for talking about season? chapters for for seasons one and two. Oh, for this episode, yeah. The big character is no perfect. I actually. <laughs> You learned a lot. From well, him. I didn't. It's not that I learned so much from him, but mm. he was perfect. And I don't know what the thought process was, but well, he he's becomes, based on a real person. He is, and I wonder if maybe while they were finding their feet, the character in Sex and the City of Mr. Big was closer to the real Mr. Big, mm-hmm. and then as they kind of fans became invested in things. And the whole Carrie Big thing. They changed him. They changed him because he's a lot less cool (laughs) in the later seasons than he is in the first couple of seasons. I'm sure he'd be very happy to hear that. He's aspirational in the first couple of seasons and he's a cautionary tale in the later seasons. Yeah. So what was your Kim Cattrall, Samantha Jones thing that you were going to say? Oh, I I was just going to say that it's not a secret that Kim Cattrall and Sarah Jessica Parker 
are not friends. They did a really good job in the show of making it look like they were friends. Like some oh, acting yeah. chops there. You would never, if I didn't know that rumor, I would never have guessed it based on their chemistry because, on screen. Because basically over the series, um, it sort of emerges that Carrie and Samantha are like the closest. Yeah. Right? And there are certain points where Carrie is close to Charlotte and yeah. close to Miranda. Yeah. But I feel like over the course of the series... Carrie and Samantha are our best friends, mm-hmm. best, best friends. And th- then you find out that in real life, they basically hated each other, which just shows like how good at acting they are. Mm-hmm. And Kim Cattrall, who's Canadian, by the way. I didn't know that. Yes. Where's she from? Why do you have to do that? <laughs> I don't know. doesn't matter. From the, country, I'll, I'll from the, from the beautiful country of Canada. From I'll Canada. Look, I'll Can- look it up while you're Canada's talking. Canada's big. I'm going to guess she's from the West Coast. That's my, that's okay. my guess. All right. All right. Probably, I want to say, I want to say from the prairies. I'm just to be cr- oh, contrarian. Oh, from the prairies. Yeah, I'm she was s- in Star Trek Six. What? She was in Big Trouble in Little China. That's the first time I saw her. Have you ever seen that movie? It's a Kurt Russell movie. You should put it in the show notes. What's she. What? It's Big- called Big Trouble in Little China. Oh my God, I know that movie. You know that movie? 100%. It's a Kurt Russell joint. Yeah. It's so yeah, and she's like the beauty with the green eyes. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. She is gorgeous and in her 60s now gorgeous. Yeah, she's she's And she was she's supposed to be like basically like the cougar in the series yeah. like. But So hold on, sorry. Kim Cattrall was born in England. She's okay. actually from Liverpool. Okay. And then they uh migrate immigrate her family immigrated to Canada. Okay. Anywhere anywhere specific? Um at age 11 she returned to to England to study at the London Academy of Music and Drama and returned to Vancouver. At age sixteen, so it sounds like she grew All up right, on the I West Coast. All right, I'll give you a shot. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll more you can pour me the next glass of this wine. <laughs> oh my god, it's so good. Yeah, I I real I thought too late that we should have like cosmopolitans. But no, because I'm not in a cocktail mood. I'm you know in a what? Wine mood. There's there's a couple. Okay, before we move any further on this, <laughs> it's going to be four episodes. There's two things about Sex in the City mm-hmm. that are terrible. Okay, hold on. I was finishing my Kim Cattrall point. No, but but this is relevant oh, to your Cosmo okay. point. All right, okay, okay. One, there's a whole generation of women, my generation of women, that grew up... Are you suggesting that we're different generations? No, but I, I'm saying specifically... Okay. What are we, Gen Xers? Yes. Okay. Gen Xers grew up... We're the best generation. We are, but the women who date men in my generation, uh-huh. our generation look to a lot of the shit that Carrie does as a guide for relationship models. That's one. Second thing is the rise of cosmopolitans is like the girl drink. It's like a girly martini. Right. And it's not great. What is it? Is it like vodka and cranberry juice or something? Something. And then there's the apple teeny and there's all these other sort of things that came out of it. And it just, but the reason is, is because it's a drink that you can you can hold in a fucking cool ass martini glass, mm-hmm. and you can look fabulous doing it. And it's fruity. And it's fruity, and it's not like drinking a martini, which is just alcohol and olive juice, basically, right? So, so it's basically, I'm on the absolute, which you know, the absolute hunk. That we're just gonna throw uh, that Smith. out there. I'm on the absolute website and i had to put the year that i was born in order for it to let me in mm. and it's like oh why are you trying to hurt me it's absolute oh oh it's a m- vodka triple l- vodka triple sec lime cranberry yeah. and orange zest yeah i mean it sounds good 
I know, but it just became this thing. I remember after Sex in the City. Brunch wasn't a thing until Sex in the City was <laughs> Yeah, but I just remember because I, I, I bartended in university uh, a little bit. Did you get laid a lot? No, not at all. Not from bartending anyways. <laughs> Um, okay. Oh, that's right. You had a girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I remember people would ask for this at like okay. the campus pub. And I was oh, like, God. bro, no, I can do vodka cranberry. <laughs> that's the closest we're going to get mm-hmm. to a Cosmo. Because it became okay. the thing that everybody ordered. That sure. or Mike's Hard Lemonade, oh, which God. was like the first of the fruity yeah. alcohol drinks yeah, right yeah, yeah. up here. Anyways. Okay. okay. Back yeah. to your... So anyway, so she... Kim Cattrall and... Kim Cattrall and Sarah Jessica Parker were not friends. They did not like each other. Kim Cattrall agreed to do the first movie, begrudgingly agreed to do the second movie. And when they approached her about the reboot, she was like, absolutely fucking not. Leave these characters alone. No. And they've decided to go ahead and do it without her. So the reboot is going to be the three of the four. Yes. Life as a 50-something. Yes. That's what it's going to be. And she's like, bitch, I did that already. Yeah. (laughs) And I did it better than you. Oh, my God. So much better. Yeah. So, Kim, if you're listening... Um, and you're gonna tag them in all you. of this, right? I am. I'm gonna tag her. Yeah. Maybe she not went on them. to like write a book about sex and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, she's fabulous. I might actually. I think I have that book on my bookshelf. Actually, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, You've been holding out on me this whole yeah. time. Yeah, I'll show. I'll go. I'll go have a look and see Did if I can find it. Give me that book. I will. Well, there's nothing in that book that you can learn. Believe Aww, me. Aw, aren't you sweet? <laughs> you flatter me. All right, should we jump into it then? Let's do it. Okay. Twenty five minutes in. Let's get to. <laughs> Let's, Let's get, get to, to the meat. Is it going to be a six six episodes? Fuck, Fuck no. no. Okay, all right. Well, you know what? That would be kind of sweet because, you know, there's six episodes. There's six, six seasons. seasons. No, you're no, I'm shaking, shaking my head. head. No, 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 no. No, you're putting your foot down? Not unless we're making the episodes like 25 minutes long each, well, in which case there. Well, we're already at 25 minutes in, so that's a no. So the series opens, and I believe it's till the end of the second season, or is it just the first season where they break the fourth wall? <sighs> they do it for sure in the first season, and they do it significantly less in the Mm -hmm. second season but it's not until the third season that they stop that breaking the fourth wall so the first season is kind of an anomaly because it's almost documentary slash narrative yeah that's how they introduce that's how they introduce miranda and and, uh charlotte they introduce as like one of the people that she's interviewing kind of interviewing but like camera is interviewing yeah like they they have like stats that pop up on the screen and and they and they sort of, it, it suggests that they're interviewing people. That's how we meet Skippy. That's how we meet Skippy. Skipper. Oh, sorry, Skipper. 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 Not the peanut butter. She calls him Skippy and he corrects her. <laughs> Miranda does? Yeah. So basically, it's it's sort of like modern family-esque style documentary yeah. type filmmaking, narrative filmmaking. Yeah, nobody's asking them a question, but they're it's like they're, in, they're being interviewed. And, and so the idea is to follow these four women through Manhattan with their exploits and dating experiences and sex experience, sexual experiences. And it sort of opens talking about toxic bachelors. Okay, and they actually talk to a bunch of these men and they call them, you know, Capote Duncan, Toxic Bachelor, right? Yeah. And you're like, do they know they're being called Toxic Bachelor? Likes likes to work out and bang yeah. chicks. You yeah, know? <laughs> like, you know, and like, what, what, are they, what are they called? Investment banker, yeah. fucking lawyer, fucking whatever, right? So it sort of opens with 
you know, you have Carrie and her friends on one side and all these toxic bachelors on the other side. And what what stood out to me is they talk about the mid-30s power flip. Right. Which sounded super red pill to me. Yeah, it Where did, it's eh? like, when women are 22, they have all the power. Like, they have their pick and they're out of the league of most 22-year-old men. But then the 30s come and the men have money and they grow into their looks and they have some confidence and their muscle matures and then boom they can fuck all the 22 year old women and all the 30 something women are just shit out of luck no they they date the 50 year old guys they all hit the wall yeah and they're gonna end up alone yeah. Because their expectations are too high. They throw away all these great men because they're not perfect and fit their list of demands. Yeah. And and it it's it was kind of shocking to me because this is the mid to late nineties mm-hmm. and you're already hearing the misogyny and bitterness of the red pill. Mm-hmm. It was and and really the red pill didn't really start to be called the red pill until like 2013, 2014. Se- season one then? aired June 6th, 1998. Okay, so late 80s. So a full like 15 years mm-hmm. before you have the Manosphere, Red Pill philosophy, all that kind of shit. And you're just like, wow, that shit's been brewing for a long yep. time. So Carrie's first thing is to try to have sex like a man. So what does that mean to her when she says, I'm going to have sex like a man? No commitments. Right. Just kind of, as the kids say nowadays, pipe and swipe. Like, <laughs> fuck a dude, no move emotions. on to the next one. No emotions. Yeah. No no concern for whether they had a good time. No. Like, I had a good time. You had an okay time. <laughs> I'm out of here. And so basically, she fucks a guy that she's she, she's been back and forth with a bunch of times. Oh, he's great. He was in Oz. And he's also in like the State Farm commercials now. He's he's chaos or mayhem. He's mayhem. Right. He's yes, mayhem. That's right. Yeah, that's he's right. fucking great. And he was also Liz Lemon in Thirty Rock from the Sun. He was her like fucking boy, boy toy. Deadbeat boyfriend. Oh my god, it's so funny. Yeah, he's great. But he's yeah, a fucking he's great. great actor. His name's Jonathan. Jonathan. And she and he makes her come and then she goes, Oh, that was awesome. And he goes, Okay, my turn. She's like, actually I have to get back. And he's like, Wait, what? And she thinks, she thinks, oh my God, this is amazing. She feels super powerful. And, and I think this is like, oh, you know, there's, we've been talking, you and I have been talking a lot about hookup culture lately. Mm-hmm. I think it's because of the book you're reading. And- it, it is. And we're going to, we're going to talk about that mm. on a later episode. But I think that's a very common misconception about men that they don't care about anything they just want to get off and whatever i think that i'm sure some men i'm sure are like but i think i think that many men are looking for connection just like women are maybe not like the whole big relationship thing but why are you looking at me am i wrong (laughs) no i'm just i'm i'm yeah not like billy and sex life (laughs) <laughs> you, you know, the house in Connecticut and the two kids and all that. Right. That's not what... Mo- but I think a lot of guys recognize that sex is better if it's not... If it was someone you actually like. Yeah. I mean, we can all fuck people we don't like. We've well, all I done can't. it. You can, but I can't. No. Yeah, your Yoni says... Uh-uh. No. But... 
But I think a lot of guys, a lot of guys can fuck people they don't like. But I think a lot of guys also recognize that the sex is better if you like the person. Yeah. And so this is this kind of sets up the rest of the series because she leaves this guy's apartment feeling super empowered and she gets this rush from fucking this guy and being like, I came and you didn't, so that means you know <laughs> I fucked you kind of thing. And she bumps into Mr. Big. Mm-hmm. And she bumps into him so hard because she, she's not looking where she's going and she spills her purse, the contents of her purse all over the sidewalk. <laughs> and a whole row of condoms falls out. And so being the gentleman that he is, he gets down on the sidewalk with her and helps her gather up her things and kind of including hands like her, a dozen condoms and kind of hands her the condoms like here you go like you don't want to be without these and she's already feeling like Ugh. yeah she's already feeling judged yeah i think and that's kind of that's an interesting sort of oh look at me i'm super empowered and blah and it just shows you how surface that yeah, how fragile it is how yeah. frat what a great word mm-hmm. so fragile mm-hmm. yeah so and that's how she she meets Mr. Big. Big. Yeah. And, you know, th- for the next few episodes, she's sort of like, they bump into each other everywhere and whatever. It's not a thing yet. Yeah. They, don't, they have no way to get in touch with each other. No, because there's no smartphones yet. No. Like, no one even has cell phones, I don't think, in the first season. No. No, not in the first season. No. And, and then they just keep bumping into each other in bars and events around right, town. Right, right. Right? Yeah. So that, so they don't... 10 million people and they just happen to keep bumping into each other, yeah. right? Well, Manhattan is a small island, I guess. Yeah, but it's 10 million people. No, I know, but like, I'm sure it's, okay, and no shade, but a little bit of shade. I'm sure it's like people in Toronto where they won't they won't go within like 10 kilometers of where they live <laughs> to do anything, right? So even though even though you have that many million people, they tend to stay yeah, within, within their Within a little, few city blocks or something yeah, like that. Like yeah, they, like, you know, people in Toronto won't go blue young to like, or below bluer. Below bluer to see people. <laughs> you and I live 90 minutes apart and yeah. all of your Toronto friends are like, bro, what the fuck? Yeah. It's like, you Why? have no idea. And they're like, we do not care. We do wee, not care. <laughs> so there's the episode and I, I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions about. Okay. So there, there's an episode in season one called The Modelizers. Mm-hmm. About modelizers. The guys what, that only date models. Yeah. Which it's kind of a funny premise where... Most other men on the planet only get to see models online or mm-hmm. in magazines or and even the internet wasn't quite a thing. I mean, in, it in was, but it wasn't. It's not. It the was internet. for it was for computer geeks. It's it not was, the internet like it is now. No, no. And so the idea that models run free in New York on the streets, models in the natural habitat, right. <laughs> <laughs> that men have access and the, uh, again this is what dating apps has done it's given yep. people access to people that was previously not even not, not even dating apps i mean instagram that's true people yeah. th- it used to be that publicists were the gateways to famous people now famous people have their own way of communicating that's with, true you can with, like with the inbox. average person yeah, right yeah you can dm people but, but but this modelizers episode right and and so there's a an artist friend of Carrie's who Fucks model. He's a modelizer. He mm-hmm. exclusively dates or fucks models. 
and she goes over to his place to, to and this is this is where a lot of the stories come from is like her doing sort of research for her columns right and so she's researching men who only date models right and so she goes over to, to to see her friend who only dates models and he's an artist he's got like this loft and yeah with super studio. very cool and, yeah and whatever and he's like he's basically like you know they're, it's it's not super easy to meet them, but once you do, like you, they're really not that hard to nail. No, because a lot of them, you know, men won't approach them because they think they're intimidated, right? right? And so then he shows Carrie that he's been filming secretly, filming. Yeah. He's got sex tapes of, and all these all models. of the women, all of the models that he's been fucking. Now, is it any better that he has these sex tapes? And it and they're just for his own private collection. Like he's not doing it to like release a Paris Hilton. This is the tape. reason why I don't go to men's houses. Right. Well, because you never know. And now it's. I mean, he had to hide a fucking camcorder <laughs> to film them. Now you can have a yeah, tiny he had little like, like VHS tapes. Yeah. You now you have you can hide a tiny little like pen camera that somewhere. records right to the cloud. Yeah, in like 4K. <laughs> That made me very uncomfortable to know that these women were being filmed having sex Super without their consent. Super uncomfortable. And Not it okay. didn't make it any better to know that it was only for his own consumption mm. because we don't know that. We don't know if he had little parties where he invited his friends over and watched him having sex with these women. Okay, do you think guys just watch porn together? I've been wrong about a bunch of things about men, so I have no idea. I mean, do at they? bachelor parties they do that, but right. but they don't like... I don't think they do that anymore. Meh, you'd be surprised. I've been to more than one bachelor party where there's been porn playing. Yeah, but that was in the nineties. I mean, it's have weird. you been one in this century? In this in, the, in this in, in this decade? In this decade? Mm, Within ten years, have no. you sat around and watched porn? I feel like the the last time you watched porn in public was when we went to Dan Savage's Dirty Little. Oh, porn that was festival. absolutely the last time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we went to the Hump Film and Festival in Toronto. I mean, it's a different experience. It's a different kind of porn, though. It is a different kind of point. But, <laughs> but here's a question for you okay. as a man. How important are looks really? Like how important are looks for you? Oh, that's For me stuff. or men? Both. I think looks are extremely important in the initial contact. Okay. To be noticed. Mm-hmm. That's why that Love is Blind show on netflix ah. and that because we, we recently watched the like after the altar specials oh my God. Th- that was what was so interesting about that premise is like if you take away right the looks what is dating like sure and but, yet the good looking people still ended up together explain well, they were that all to me pretty good looking i mean it's not like they had any like super ugly people that's on true, that show that's true. that, that, that would have been funny it was the difference between like the North American version the ten of the, the girl nine. with the dragon tattoo and the <laughs> Swedish version of the girl with the dragon tattoo. Okay. Right? Fair enough. Yeah. Fair. So, so... I mean, you brought it up. But, well, okay. but, but I think looks are important initially. Okay. But looks aren't enough to sustain a long-term relationship. Oh. A short-term relationship. Mm-hmm. Especially for modelizers. But basically, people get tired of your shit. If you're not, well, a nice if person. there's nothing more than just good looks, uh-huh. where do you go from there? I feel like it's the difference between, and, th- and this is the thing. Like, I feel like looks are so subjective. Yes. Right, because mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like. 
There are people that get way better looking when you know them better and they're really good people. Okay, okay. And then there's people that are objectively good looking and then they open their mouth and you go, oh no. But looks must be important because all the dating apps out there are predicated on judging a book by its cover. You know what's interesting though is that they've just added a new feature to dating apps, which is you can upload videos of yourself. You can do that on Tinder. You can't do that on Bumble yet, though, I don't think. Maybe not. But what I think is interesting about that is that you can get a lot of information by the way people move. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Mm. Because there are... Or or if you can hear them. Right. Yeah. So... What does Mindy say in in the... We were just joking about that today. Oh, yeah. When she was dating a skater boy or something. Yeah, because we're watching stupid A 90 Day Story, The Paradise... Yeah, Love Island or no, no, it's not Love Island. Love in Paradise. Love in Paradise. Yeah, yeah. and one of the guys like teaches the other girl how to how to skateboard. Skateboard, yeah. And so it reminded me of an episode in the Mindy Project where she dates a forty-something-year-old skater, Uh skater dude. Which no shade on skaters, like it's a really good sport, but he's like super immature and just annoying, and he gets her to go out with him by doing this like skateboard trick yeah and she was like wow and he goes see that that's how good i am at sex (laughs) and so she's like i'm intrigued and they go out and it's kind of a disaster and they're they're getting ready to like she goes to get on a subway and he's like oh am i not coming with you and she was like listen my body is attracted to your body but when you speak my brain gets angry. <laughs> and I feel like that's hmm. that's kind of my feeling about people's looks. Right. Where someone could be very good looking, but if they open their mo- mouths and they're stupid or unkind or shitty, you're not good looking to me anymore. You're not attractive to me right. anymore. But I feel like that, and, and no, I, not that I'm like amazing, but I feel like that takes a certain level of emotional intelligence and emotional maturity Right. To make that distinction. And these guys that are modelizers tend to not have that. Guys that date women exclusively for their looks and don't care if they're nice people or if they treat you well. Right? So I'm curious. I'm curious about what men in general, if they date, I feel like there's like a delineation between men that date because they're looking for someone that's going to be good to them or that they can enjoy their time with or if if the people that they're choosing are solely to show off to other men well look what i've got that is going to be there there are going to be guys that are going to do those things because they've got something to prove and especially in that first season of sex in the city they were doing a lot of oh, are you topping me up i am thank you my love because they did a lot of those those interview type things. Share a little bit more. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, stop it. They were doing a lot of those interview with people. I feel like they had to show this kind of douchey behavior to kind of further the plot. But I don't think, and we've talked about this e- even more recently. It's tough to make Jenna. I think the hardest part about about that Modelizer episode is that there is this generalization that is made. They have these couple of men who are modelizers mm-hmm. and they're trying to like extrapolate that all men are like this. Right. And all of one gender 
is always going to be problematic. That Generalizations in general are a little <laughs> problematic, right? Yeah. But yeah, I think there are certain men that do that. They don't care if they're smart. They don't care if they're... But that should tell you that there is a an objectification going on. Right. And that's... If you're looking for someone to see you as a human being, you should probably run the other way. Right. Yeah. There's the little storyline where Carrie goes to meet her married friends up in the Hamptons or whatever. And the wife goes off to buy, goes out early to buy muffins and shit. And Carrie gets up and the husband is basically standing in the hallway, yawning and drinking a coffee with a t-shirt on and naked from the waist down. Such a weird. I would like to know if any of our dear listeners have ever had this happen. Who sleeps with a t-shirt and no bottoms? Like he either slept that way or he got up and put a t-shirt on and went, oh, fuck the pants. I guess, you know. Pants are for losers. Yeah, my dick is out. Yeah, like, have you ever heard of anything like that ever happening where like friends' husbands have exposed themselves to? No, 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 no. But I mean, I, there was a very brief window. I was probably like 10 or 11 years old where I would sleep with a t-shirt on and no bottoms. Like I might, maybe I was twelve. Why? I don't know. Why would you just? It was the in between, little kid wearing pajamas and grown up. When did you start sleeping naked? Uh, probably in high school at some point. Yeah. I feel like that's young. Is it? Yeah. Let my fucking freak flag fly. I guess. I don't think I started sleeping naked until I got divorced. Or like, I I slept naked when I lived on my own. Yes. And then I stopped doing that when I got married. Yeah, I think I think clothes are the, like, pajamas when you're married are the <laughs> invisible I don't want to fuck you barrier. Actually, not so invisible. The visible Just, I don't want to fuck you barrier. Fun fact, people that sleep, couples that sleep naked have more sex than people who sleep with pajamas on. Yeah, because she's And just- also... You sleep better naked because well, your body... Well, regulation issues are yeah. like 100%. But she's... So she's there. This dude comes down and he's fucking bottomless. Yeah. And just like nothing is wrong. Like Yeah, like, hey, and she's what's like, going on? And it's like... Whoa, what bro? Did she, like, and she tells... And so then basically her friends... Her, her friends... Like her friend comes home, his wife. And she's like, so I saw Peter's dick in the hall. Um, Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. And she basically gets sent packing. And it's like, why is that her fault, number one? Why is that Carrie's fault? And then the whole discussion is about how single people are a threat to married people. Yes. And the new, the, the 20 years later, the version are, are, as we saw in Sex Life, it's non-monogamous people are the threat <laughs> to married people. I still think that single people are seen as a threat by married people. I, I know that when I got divorced. You're a divorced person. It's different than a single person. I don't think it is. Yeah, because divorce is catching. Divorce is contagious. Sure, but I felt like there were some married friends of mine who became who engaged in a lot more mate guarding after I became. I'm like, gonna, like I'm gonna, I was just looking for my next husband. I'm gonna go out on a limb that you don't hang out with those people anymore. No. Yeah. <laughs> Not so much. I feel um, like those were couple friends that you didn't get in the divorce sure okay so let's talk about do you think that single people and and divorced people are different yes i think there's a difference oh what do you say why i think 
from a married person's perspective, single people, this is why I don't agree with that scene. I feel like single people are looked down upon as like, oh, they haven't found anybody yet. Oh, like, oh, like with pity. Yeah. Carrie was invited up there because come to the Hamptons because you don't have anything else. Like enjoy and enjoy. And then also we're going to flex our beautiful married life, which Mm -hmm. is a fucking sham Mm -hmm. in that case anyways. Mm -hmm. But versus divorced people. Right. Are to be viewed with suspicion. Right. Because they were in the same kind of married dynamic that all the other couple friends are. But they somebody decided I've had enough of this shit. Oh, so you feel like... And I'm out. So you feel like married people feel like divorced people are like dissenters. Right. And defectors. That defectors. And that oh. that they're going to encourage other people... Well, divorce like if, is contagious. If this person is doing it, then I guess I have... I should do it because look how happy they are and whatever, <laughs> right? Yeah. That's, that's the problem. Divorced people are way too happy. Well, in the, I mean... With, I know you said it to me. I can't remember if, if you got it from somebody else, but like getting divorced sucks, mm-hmm. but being divorced is awesome. Oh my God. Being divorced is so good. And, and I feel like that, that whole thing. You that's, get, what, that's why it's so contagious. That's more why contagious than people, the Delta that's variant. Why, that's why married people, and a, a friend of mine was, I posted some pictures on Facebook the other day. He's, he's there with his kids at a cottage and there's two other married couples that are there, obviously right. friends of his. Right. And it's just like, I could just imagine. He's having a great time. Yeah, he's having a fantastic time because he's not having to put up with any shit. And right. If, especially if a marriage is, uh, if, there, if there are problems in the marriage, for whatever the problems are, I think the divorced person becomes kind of like an amplification of those problems. Huh. Really interesting. Yeah. So I feel like divorced people are, are more of a pariah than a single person. Well, like... None of the characters have been married in this series. So none of the girls have been have been married yet. In the first season. Including Samantha. Right. Right? So so they don't really look at them like that. But I think the other point that they make is that single people are looked at as like being stuck in this like stunted adolescence. Yes. Where they're super selfish and self-centered and you know, you just need to get on board. It's really interesting. I don't think that's changed. No, actually. and I and I feel like New York, Manhattan specifically, is very much there is a leveling process in all of this. And if you are married, mm-hmm. and then you have kids, mm-hmm. and one or both of the partners are successful, you have hit that pinnacle. And anybody that isn't at that same level as you is to be seen with pity. Right. Yeah. And we, and we see that throughout the series mm-hmm. with the way Carrie is treated by a variety of different friends that she has. Mm-hmm. And then, but then also how other single friends, party girl type friends of theirs mm-hmm. are treated by these Upper East Side, married, yes, you know, power couple type right, things, right. right? Interesting. Yeah. This is also the episode where Ma- Miranda pretends to be a lesbian in order to impress her boss yeah because she needs to have a partner she needs to be part of a couple to do stuff well and they think she's a lesbian because she has a pixie haircut yeah she has a very you know sort of masculine way about her she's not super girly and she gets set up at the corporate baseball game (laughs) by one of her colleagues and she gets set up with a woman and he was like she's like dude i'm not gay and he's like oh 
seriously? Really? Like, I've never seen you with a man. And she was like, um, I'm single. Like, what's the matter? So she was like, you know what? Um, I'm going to play the game. Let's just see. Maybe I maybe I could be a lesbian. And this chick that she gets set up with is like super cute and yeah. super sweet. And they decide to go. She asks her to go to this like dinner at her, at the senior uh, partner's house. Yeah. And at the end of it, she tells her boss, listen, I'm not actually a lesbian. I just did that so that I could bend your ear about a few things. And she sort of takes a, a risk of seeming brave. And he does appreciate. Mm-hmm. He looks super disappointed and he's just kind of like yeah my wife will be super disappointed she was really looking to add a lesbian couple to our friend group to our friend circle (laughs) and she's like yeah sorry and then like so much so that she tries to kiss this woman on the way down she's like yeah i'm straight and the woman's like yeah you are yeah and and i i watched that scene and i was like this is hilarious because cynthia nixon is a lesbian she actually is a lesbian in real life yeah and and her character the miranda character She's a little bit she's is a little antithetical bit to a lot of things. Like, and I wondered if there was any kind of conflict hmm. in Cynthia Nixon right. about putting these kind of borderline homophobic sort of tropes out uh, into the yeah, world. Exactly. Yeah. When and she wasn't out as a lesbian when when no, Sex and the City was no. was there, but she knew she was obviously right. I mean that internal struggle. Maybe that's why she's such a terrible person. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe she's just having an off night. I don't know. Maybe. But but this is the thing. I, it was kind of interesting to me to watch that because now, because I've sort of been sucked into lesbian TikTok. Yeah, that algorithm is hitting yeah. fierce. Oh my god! Eh? It's 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 like a sledgehammer. The idea of that is that a lot of women are just like, fuck it. Just fed up with men. I'm so done. I'm so done with men. I'm gonna try this. And there's that great, like, stand-up from that lesbian comedian. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're going to have to put that in. Yeah. And she basically... What is her name? She's like, you know, I just have to ask her about her day. And, like, she's just like, what? And I think there's a lot of women that are like, I'm so done with straight men and their bullshit. Like, I might as well try this. Mm-hmm. And you, there's a few people on TikTok that I follow that were legit straight and got fucked over one too many times mm-hmm. and then met a woman and fell madly in love. And they are, oh my God, they're like the cutest fucking couples ever. And that was enough, eh? That was enough. Mm. We're not taking your shit anymore. Mm-hmm. So then also... You know, this whole thing with Carrie and her married friends, she gets set up by a couple of her married friends and she's not really attracted to this guy, but she kind of says that she's just trying him on. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not, you know, it's like the vintage dress. It's not really your style, but, you know, you're just going to try it on and see. And he wants to do all the things. He basically, he's sort of like Cooper in sex life, where he has a classic six on the Upper East Side, mm-hmm. and he has a baby mobile that he bought in Aspen a few years ago, <laughs> and this room, he has this housewarming party, and like this room is the office, but he's hoping that soon it will be the the nursery, mm-hmm. and Carrie's just like, ugh, mm-hmm. you know? And so he's having this housewarming party, he invites Carrie, Carrie asks her friends to come and they all show up and it's like, oh my God, it's all married couples. 
like what and of course you know samantha samantha's like the pariah at the party because she's fucked a bunch of the guys that are there yeah, already it's like some of the husbands some of before the husbands, they were married but and and of course like you know any of the other husbands that she's talking to just having normal conversations about stocks and whatever the women are the, all over the women them. come in and like i need you for a second and you know she's just like oh what the fuck ever like whatever keep your you know i don't want your husband i love how she really is unaffected that samantha character is really unaffected by that kind of judgment she gets judged and abused so much by other women yeah and it's and you're right she handles it so well like she basically was just like okay like, She's like it's like water off a duck's back yeah, She's like, like what what she the rolls fuck ever? her eyes and goes okay whatever yeah. like that's your shit and i and i love that about her character where she's just like she owns everything that mm-hmm. she is and mm-hmm. everything that she does you know she's not a sneak she's just right nope. out there she's just like yeah okay if that bo- okay whatever but this guy you know so this guy that carrie's trying on he basically says like i want to get married and she's like oh like you're nice but that's not and but he's I like i don't want to and he's like i don't get you women yeah he turns on a fucking dime on a fucking dime and i find that this is a feature the reason i put this i put this in my notes is that this is a feature of so many men where the minute you don't want what they want they switch on you and they get angry yeah. and abusive yep. and you go Oh, wow. Well, yes, now I'd like to settle down with you. There it is. Yeah. I couldn't figure out what it was about you that I was uneasy about. Sure. Thanks for showing me. And then you show me. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And you just go, right. And I I put a quote on our Instagram a couple of weeks ago. Nice with an agenda isn't nice. Yeah. And you find that with these men, as soon as you disagree with them or don't give them what they want and they turn aggressive and angry and you go see you're not a nice guy sadly this isn't just the character in sex in the city you're a piece there of are shit. a lot of guys that are like a that. a lot of guys like yeah. that and as soon as you don't give them the nude that they want or the attention that they want you don't they, respond fast enough yeah or, yeah actually i had a guy on a dating app say um i have a charger you can borrow because clearly your your phone has gone dead that was his since clever. I haven't heard, since, is, since I haven't heard from you, bro. If her phone was actually dead, she's not getting that message. <laughs> Just saying. Oh my I god! I mean, props for trying. Yeah. But also, why are you so shitty? Yeah. I got yeah. a phone charger for you. That's yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Oh. There's a lot of talk about when is the right time to have sex mm-hmm. with a new guy. How do you feel about sex on the first date? Do you feel like that's a mistake? Or if if you want to have a relationship with someone, do you feel that having sex on the first date, is that a mistake or is that okay? Ooh. Now, if you asked Dante from 20 years ago mm. versus Dante now, the answer would be different. Dante 20 years ago would have said sex on the first date is a bad idea. Because? If you're serious, if, if the idea is that you really like this person. Because why? Because it is showing a lack of concern for something that is special okay dante nowadays would tell you sex on the first date is important if you want to have first of all there's no problem with sex on the first date okay but it's especially important to figure out early on maybe not the first date but early on 
if sexual compatibility is there. And chemistry. And sexual chemistry is there. Because, and I think this happens to Sam in later seasons, you could spend all this time getting to know somebody and have amazing chemistry with them outside of the bedroom Mm -hmm. to only find out when you get into the bedroom that the chemistry is all wrong. And actually we see that I'm getting ahead of myself, but mm. I don't want to, I don't, we don't necessarily need to go point, point for point, but Samantha meets this gentleman who she is super attracted well, to. That's what I was thinking about. Yeah. They, they have this amazing connection. They have a rapport. He seems like the perfect match. The perfect for man. Samantha Jones. Yeah. And they are completely sexually incompatible, which will talk about later but but they but they date for weeks before she finds that out because because she subscribed to that notion that if you're serious about somebody you you need to wait with because sex is some kind of reward for getting to know someone for for going through all the hoops Mm -hmm. and that you shouldn't and then on the flip side for women that you shouldn't give sex away Mm -hmm. because sex is the prize and if you give it away too early then it won't be valued I can tell you that I had sex on the first date with my husband mm-hmm. and sex on the first date with you. Oh, really? I mean, I knew about me, you and I. It was your, <laughs> it was your ex-husband that I was... I was, was going to say, is this a surprise? Where you was were, I? You, no, were you I'm, not there? <laughs> no, I was there. Oh, really? You had sex on the first date with your ex, eh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that didn't preclude a long-term relationship, obviously. No. 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 And and yeah, I don't, I don't think... I have suggested to you before and i think you agree with me that many men if they feel like women are holding back on purpose because they think that oh i can't have i want to have sex with this guy but i'm not going to because i want to have a relationship and you can't have a relationship if you have sex on the first date i feel like if men feel that women are holding back sex as a manipulation then that does more to preclude a long-term relationship than actually having sex on the first date. Would you not agree with that? Yeah. 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 I, given my past experience, I would see it as a giant red flag. Right. If sex was weaponized like that. Sure. Because that tells you that's that there's lots of different ways to weaponize sex. And tells people, me a lot about, right. about what a relationship with that person is likely to entail. Right. Yeah. And on the, on the, and on the flip side, I don't think that, that somebody who is sexually expressive is a bad mate choice because they are sexually expressive. But I think that if you subscribe to the red pill and you're worried about some woman's body count and they have sex with you on the first date, you're like, how many other men have you had sex with on the first date? Who the fuck cares? And it's like, was the it ones that I be- felt like it. Was it immediately before you? Yeah. I mean, I showered. Who cares? Then it doesn't matter. It could be one or a thousand. It doesn't matter. Okay, so there's an episode where um, Charlotte's perfect man mm-hmm. wants to have anal sex. Was that in the first two seasons? It's the first season. Oh my God, I was glad. I'm, I'm happy it's there because yeah. she didn't want to be known as the as up the butt she girl. She doesn't want to be up the butt girl. I went to Smith. What are you talking about? <laughs> and it's like an emergency meeting between the four girls what do you think has changed with regard to anal sex between 1998 and 2021? Oh, I feel like between then and now, and in large part because of porn, mm-hmm. anal is expected to be on the menu <gasps> at some point. Expected to be on the menu? Yeah. Okay. I, okay. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you. Are here. you? Yeah, I don't feel like anal is the new oral, or oral according to Uncle Dan Savage. Oral comes standard. Come standard. Yeah. I don't think anal comes standard. I don't think that it should be expected, but I think that it's okay to have that conversation. And if that's something that you want to try, I don't think it precludes you. The way Charlotte, so Charlotte is dating this guy. She made it sound like she wasn't marriage material if she took it in the ass. And I think that was the point. It's like, and I think Sam says like, you can have anal and nice bedding. Like it's fine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm. Mm. She was like, don't knock it till you try it. Like it's great. And this is why I love Samantha where it's like, "Oh, I've done all the things and like it's fine. Don't worry it's about okay. it." It's okay. Yeah, you're good. And all the, and the other three reco- re, you know, recoil in horror like, "Well, it's not like we're like you're our shining example of you what imagine, to do." Can you imagine your your fucking the next table over from them at brunch and they're no, talking they're about it? They're in a cab. It. They're in a cab. Oh, they're in a cab. That's right. That's right. That's right. But like <laughs> this is the kind of shit they would talk about over brunch. And you'd be like, "I've got my kids here. It's fucking brunch. Like, can we like talk can we knock off the anal talk until after yeah, I know. 1 p.m.? Like I know. I'm eating. Oh, my God. It's kind of interesting, the the character arc that anal sex has enjoyed over the last 20 years. Because it's not it's not the sort of taboo no. act what, that it used to be. What Okay, what has replaced anal as the taboo act? You tell me. I don't know. Is there a taboo act now? Pegging? No. DP? Yeah, but that, but, but that, that, <laughs> but, but DP, but DP requires you to have a, a third person. Right. I'm talking about between two people. I, I don't, don't know. know. I, is there, is, and this is, this is the thing with porn. Have we done it, all the things now? No, but I mean, we haven't done all the things. We've done a lot of things. We haven't done all the things. But uh-huh. this is the thing with porn is because porn is driven to create, to push boundaries. It's like life imitates art. They've pushed, what boundary is left to push? Beyond yeah, like know. extremely taboo subjects, but I feel like I feel like you and I are sort of desensitized to a lot of shit. No, I'm not desensitized to, to to stuff. I recognize. Look, there's a lot of stuff I jerk off to when I finish. I'm like, what did I just jerk off to? Like, I know, I know. Right. In the moment, I'm like, oh yeah, no, this is great. And then I come and I'm like, oh, dude, like, yeah. close we're that fam- tab. We're Ugh. familiar. We're familiar. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the what the what the replacement is because i i remember watching i mean would you would you i think the point is would you respect a woman less if she had anal sex with you no would you i mean i feel like for you That's that a would feature, make you not that, a bug. W- that would make you want to marry her more yeah <laughs> here's here's a question for you so there's an episode where carrie questions the difference between professional girlfriend and professional meaning sex worker Okay. At what point are you just a girlfriend that accepts gifts and money and trips from her boyfriend? At what point do you become like a sugar baby or a sex worker that's getting paid to be someone's girlfriend? Okay. I think what Carrie was describing... What happens is there's this friend of hers that's basically a professional girlfriend and... She introduces Carrie to this French architect. Oh yeah, that's right. And they go, they go on. She offers to be his tour guide for the city. So they have this beautiful day. They go around the city. They have dinner. She goes back to his hotel room. They have sex. And in the morning, he says, "Stay, enjoy the suite, enjoy whatever." I have to fly back to Paris and leaves a big and fat envelope of cash, thousand dollars in cash on the nightstand, and she's super upset about it. 
And as she invites her three friends over to have brunch on this guy in the hotel room, Samantha's like, so fucking what? So what? I think Carrie's definition of a professional girlfriend Mm -hmm. is what we would call a sugar baby now. I think that's what she would call a professional. No, because a professional, a sex worker. But she said she felt like a hooker. When but, he left her that money. Yeah, but that's because she's fucking Carrie. <laughs> yes, that's true. A sugar baby, or sorry, a sex worker is somebody who exchanges some form of sexual contact for money. Mm-hmm. A stripper is a sex worker. A cam girl is a sex worker. It doesn't right. necessarily require you to have penetration. That is true. So the difference is, is that, and sex workers will offer the girlfriend experience. Right. Where there'll, where there'll be like a girlfriend and there will be sex. And basically the difference is instead of it just being sex, there is like, how was your day? My day was great. I'm doing this. Yeah, like, like there's an understa- but there's an understanding that sex is included. Right. But, but with sugaring, I think what happens is it starts fairly innocuous where it's just company. Mm-hmm. But there's an expectation on one or both parties that it's going to eventually lead to sex. You think so? Once the right figure... And or compensation has been agreed upon. Mm, okay. And so that's why I think the professional girlfriend is a lot like sugaring and less like the girlfriend experience because it's meant sex workers charge by the hour. Right. Right? Maybe an overnight or whatever, but there is a, a time limit to it. With a sugar baby, there is payment. There's a monetary compensation, but it's not necessarily based on the clock. Right. But, okay, I think the point is, like, if that was me and Mm. I had gone around with that guy for the day and, you know, we'd had this great night and had sex. She paid for nothing, I'm sure. She paid for nothing. And then walked away with a grand. I would be like, wow, thanks, man. Yeah. Because the whole point was that, I mean, it was kind of, it made a a point that, like, she overextends herself. She She goes to buy a pair of shoes and she gets her credit card cut up by the... The guy that works in the shoe store. That which, never happens now. That doesn't happen. Was that a thing? I mean, I, I didn't have know. credit cards in the 80s and 90s. I don't know. Like, was that a thing? People who had credit cards in the 80s, if your limit was over, did the credit card company tell the person, you need to cut this card up? No, they just kept declining it. Like, why do you need to cut? It's, it's so like, aggressive. I know. It is ridiculous. But Ugh. I would be super okay with that. I'd be like, thanks, man. And it's like, oh, give me, you know, give me a call. It's like, you didn't leave me your number. Okay, fine. Now I don't have to call. Bro, if 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 I was with a woman, if I went on a date with a woman and mm-hmm. she left me money at the end of the date, mm-hmm. am I like offended? You'd be super or excited. over the moon. Yep. I'm over the moon. So there's another episode where she meets this guy and mm-hmm. it's, I think the episode's called like Freak Show or something like that. And she meets and there's all these fucking weird guys that do weird things like, you know, super super successful guys that like steal books from like bookstores why are you laughing i'm like is there a yo-yo master in this i don't remember no i don't anyway she starts dating this guy ben and they like it's like are you a freak are you a freak no we're we're gonna go on a non-date and it's like a non-kiss and non-sex and it's just stupid and so she dates she starts dating this guy who like they're both tired of like weird people and he leaves her he's like i gotta go play soccer but i'll be back you know just stay here i'll be back so the minute he leaves, first of all, I find it so weird that she lights a cigarette in this guy's apartment and then starts ransacking his place. Okay. Her smoking is one of the things <laughs> that I find the most disconcerting. Yes. 
in the whole series. Because even when it's made an issue in the show, yeah. she continues to smoke. She continues and to do it. And it must be because Candace Bushnell was a smoker yeah. or something because they hold on to her smoking a cigarette Oh my god! long after it was socially cool to do so. It is a major in feature that, in that entire series. She might as well be smoking. holding a brick cell phone like the 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 zach morris from saved by the bell giant gray cell phones she is dating herself so much by and she's so aggressively a smoker in this she's a chain smoker to the point that future ex-boyfriends in the show are like it becomes an issue with them yeah which i mean triggers me a little bit but she just starts snooping all the the way through listen i have been alone in your house and i've been alone in your house and you've been alone in my house multiple times i have never snooped through any of your shit there's one drawer i've opened in your house and it's a drawer that you let me put my clothes in (laughs) after four years in between visits (laughs) i leave a couple of things there yeah, Years. that is the only drawer in your bedroom and I've ever opened. after you bitched a bunch of times about not having a drawer in my I house. I mean, I playfully bitched, not like okay. angrily bitched. Okay, all right. So this dude, she just he goes com- through all of his she shit. She goes through all of his shit and he comes back and catches her trying to like break the lock on a box. And he's like, what are you doing? And it's just like, what, what? It's so strange to me. It is really weird. Why people are, why don't you just, like, do you not trust yourself enough to pay attention to someone's behavior and their friends and just learn about someone gradually? Why do you have to fucking snoop? And I know that we can all sort of stalk people online now. Yeah, but personal space is personal space. I could stalk, I could, you could stalk anybody online, but when you're in their house, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's different. And I feel like that's, that's a very, that's a huge show of vulnerability to allow somebody to stay in your house when you're not there. Look, I've been burned having chicks stay in a hotel room that I looked, that I, <laughs> that I rented for however many yeah, days. Yeah, you did. To have somebody in my house and then have them go through shit, rightly so, this guy was like, what the fuck is the matter with you? Right. You are a freak, Carrie. She's a freak. So, she's also a freak that finally gets her first date with Mr. Big. Mm-hmm. She Is that in the first she, season? It's in the first season. Yeah. She does a photo shoot for her bus ad. Right, the in, one that's in the in, opening credits. In the famous naked dress. Right. And she decides to wear the naked dress on her first date with Big. And she gets in the cab, uh, in the car. He has a, a driver. He always has a town car. He always has a town car and a driver. And Raul or whatever his driver's and he name get, is. And she gets into the car with him and she has this naked dress and a fur coat. And they're like, like we can control ourselves, whatever. And appa- like we were talking about before, they run into each other at all these different places. And so there's been this buildup. Yes, and to that so first date. they finally have a first date. She gets into the car, and within minutes, they're making out in the town car. They end up at his apartment and have sex. And she feels like, "Oh fuck, I just fucked this up." Yeah, and and Big is so awesome. He's so awesome. He's just like this, that was that was pretty fucking great. Yeah, and then they go and have some Chinese food. And whatever. And I'm she starts. You, big is fucking. He, big is the man. And she starts to feel like he's hiding me from people. I'm his secret yes, sex partner. Yes, becomes, that becomes her issue. And is she that- had. And this is the thing. And, and I don't think I noticed this the first time 
the first couple of times through that I watched this series, she becomes super weird super early. Yeah. She goes on one date with this man. She wants him to introduce her to it. And has her first freak out. Why aren't you introducing me to your friends? Why do you keep taking me to the same greasy Chinese place? Why don't you want... Why don't you introduce me to your mother? Oh, that's later. Is that later? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're dating for a long time before that happens. Oh, okay. And he was like, uh... I didn't introduce you to this person because I couldn't remember their name. I take you to that Chinese place because it's like I my really favorite like place. the food. It's one of my yeah. favorite places. Yeah. And and this becomes this sparks off a series long misinterpretation and just general not fucking listening. Yes. To what Big is saying and pushing her agenda, pushing her agenda, pushing her agenda, knowing that he's uncomfortable, all he needs is time. For stuff and she's like no we're gonna do this on my timeline and if not i'm fucking out and this is sort of a, an overarching theme that is through the entire series where you're like no wonder he's like fuck this and a lot of people i think think which of, you don't see until the movie you really don't the first movie sorry but the real the, but you don't you don't really get how, like, I think the first time through when you see it, and if you're in your, you know, when you're younger. Like, you if you're a woman in time, your 20s watching this for your first or 30s, time. Or 30s. Or even 30s. 30s you're like, Big is so emotionally unavailable. Yeah. No, he's not. He's very clear uh-huh. about what he wants and what he doesn't want. And, you know. But he and, loses He loses that credibility. Okay, I don't want you to fall No, I know, I know. But we're still in season one. And the thing is, like, and this is the thing. They start seeing each other. She sort of runs into him a little bit after they have sex because she feels like she's ruined it. Mm -hmm. And then he calls her and it's like... What, did she do anal on the first date? She's made all this shit up in her head, you know? And he likes her. He does. He finds her intriguing and he finds her cute and he he finds her fun. Quirky in a... Quirky in a fucking neurotic kind of way. I honestly don't see what he sees in her. They both... He smokes cigars, she smokes cigarettes... Are they the last two people in New York that smoke? So, I think a couple of a couple of episodes after they've been dating, she finds out that she's not the only woman that he's dating. Yeah, because they haven't had that conversation that they're exclusive, and it's a big deal that he's seeing other women. And she asks, like, do men have an innate aversion to monogamy? Do you think that men have an innate... I, I would suggest that women have an innate aversion to monogamy. The only reason that women want monogamy is because society has told us and culture has told us that that's what we want. In 1998, Dr. Wednesday Martin has not published her book. <laughs> so we'll we, her too. we are not aware. Nobody has really spent a lot of time talking about what female desire is all about. Mm-hmm. But I think... The idea is, I think what Carrie is saying there is talking about that idea that men just need to plant as many seeds as possible. Well, there's a lot lower of an investment in that. There is. But I think the idea is, is that, yeah, men don't want monogamy because men are taught directly or indirectly that they need to play the field. Right. But right. women are not taught that. Women are not taught. Women are taught. Because. Women, because. Are, women are taught. Women are taught to 
hold on to their sexual virtue and only give it to the right man. And there's there's an innate competition there between the two because if all the women are holding on to their sexual virtue and all the men are playing the field, who are they fucking? Who are they fucking? Each other. Right? <laughs> I don't know. But this is, then it goes back to that sort of red pill philosophy where like women's inherent value is in their virginity mm-hmm. or a low body count and men create their value. So those two things are at odds, right? So um, I, for me, for me, the concern besides my 90s sex education that I had about that being makes terrified you super about, about, about STIs, yeah. I, think, I think the concern that a lot of men have that if a woman is sexually experienced... There's two things that are going to be at play there. One, potentially, they have exposed themselves to more STIs. And two, that if you are inadequate in any way, She's that woman will that. have the experience to know. To know that. Yeah. And I've said that to you before, where men don't like to, they're afraid of com- being compared. They don't like that. But if you were a guy with a small penis. And a Mitch Saylor mouth. Well, no, that's fine. <laughs> If you're if you're if you're Mr. Pussy, you're doing great. You're doing just fine. No, but if you're a man with a small penis and you're concerned about the woman that you're with has had a lot of sex, mm-hmm. you're already self-conscious about the size of your penis. Right. Right? So I think I think the concern with for men that that when women are more sexually available mm-hmm. is that they're not going to measure up to the experience that they've had. And I think that red pill philosophy of you the high body count being a problem mm-hmm. and they cloak it in all sorts of weird shit like they can't make a monogamous commitment and all this sort of stuff blah, blah, but blah, i think blah. what it boils down to is that she's gonna know it's sexual insecurity yes she's gonna know that three and a half inches is the average penis size out there okay well, all you have to do is google that well now we can google that but for mm-hmm. a long time our parents generation they couldn't google that sort of shit right, right. But I think that if somebody has a lot of sexual experience, they're going to know what they like and know what they don't like. And if you can't bring what they like, they know that there is another version of that type of sex that will give them the pleasure that they want. If the person you're with has no fucking clue what the options are out there, then they're going to take the first thing and go, yeah, this is great. Mm -hmm. This must be what sex is. Right, exactly. Now, in that same episode, Charlotte confesses that she doesn't enjoy giving blowjobs. She doesn't she, want to do them. I don't remember that. Does yep, she? Yep, yep, And why, what's her reason behind that? She just doesn't like it. She and, just doesn't like it. And I'm sure Samantha has a quip about that. She's like, oh, really? But then, but so she's dating this guy and she and he tries to keep pushing her head down, which is rude, right. by the way. It is rude. And, and she was like, I just, I don't like that. I don't like to give blowjobs. And okay. he says to her... Okay, well, that's cool, but I just so you know, like I really like getting head, so I'm gonna have to get that somewhere else. Oh, and she's man. horrified. Ooh. Yeah, this is season one. I know they were really edgy in season one. They though. were. So they were way. I think on purpose they were way edgier on season one than they were there. Okay, can I ask you a question? As somebody who gives blowjobs, always, is there any kind of contact in the head or face region that is ever acceptable? For the person who's receiving the blowjob to give to the person who is giving the blowjob? I'm not sure I understand your question. I mean, pushing the head down is obviously not okay. <laughs> no. Grabbing the head and like aggressively fucking the face like, is obviously... Like skull fucking? Yeah, which is obviously like a thing I mean, like some people might enjoy that, right. but I do not. But from your perspective, is there yes. any way that like touching your head in any way while, while oral is happening is okay? Or do you just want to be like left alone to just do your thing? What do I do to you when you're performing oil oral on me? You don't touch my head. That's not true. 
You push me down sometimes. <laughs> You're like, you need to go like down you, there. I feel like you just exposed a giant double standard. <laughs> No, it's a huge double standard. I'm okay with that double standard. Is it a double standard if you're okay with it? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did I not... Do I not massage your temples sometimes when you're doing that? Oh, you do. You know do what? I not, do I not you've given me, scalp, you've given scalp me scalp massages? head massages while I've gone down on I love you. how you've forgotten that. No, 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 no. I, you, I think you, know, you did. I've not forgotten it. I've not forgotten it. But yeah, you have given me... I remember. I You give me head... Okay. <laughs> The first time we had sex. This is why you're in love with me. The first time we had sex. Yeah. I was fucking you. Mm-hmm. And you were like massaging my head while I was fucking you. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm having sex and getting a head massage. <laughs> Those two things have never happened. I've gotten a haircut and gotten a head massage and I've had sex. I've never had those two things together. I didn't cut your hair though while we were having you sex. You didn't cut my hair. So thank, there's, there's where the Venn diagram ends. Oh, that's where it ends. But yeah, okay. So it is okay to touch the head is what you're saying. I feel like I feel like though that kind of contact is okay. So like head massage, temple massage is okay. But any kind of like... And, and asking for... Fish hook want- is not okay. No. <laughs> no so no so no so no okay thank you moving on i think because again what men don't understand about being the penetrated one air bunnies some men okay <laughs> unless you've been pegged you're welcome or you're gay or you're gay if you have never been penetrated you don't understand how unsettling it is to be pushed in that direction impaled so, and, and this is the thing. I don't think men understand that like women are being penetrated when they have vaginal sex and women are being penetrated when they're giving blowjobs. And so any kind of aggression in that way is not welcome for right. the most part. Right. Because it's like, you have no idea what this is like. And until you've sucked a dick or unless you have sucked a dick, fuck all the way off. <laughs> okay. If you want to tell me what you would like, that's totally fine with me. I will adjust accordingly. Mm-hmm. However, would you touch my head other than to lovingly stroke it or massage it or I will break your shoulder? Like, no. <laughs> but let's not skip over like, you know, your partner doesn't want to do oral, but that's something that you really enjoy. So what you're going to get oral one way or another, whether it's from your partner or yeah, from someone like, else. Is that, is, that, is that a situation where you feel like that is a discussion to <sighs> Dude, that was like 15 years ahead of its time to have that conversation yeah. there. I mean, that's not to say that people weren't doing that in the late 1990s. Mm-hmm. However, in the mainstream, it was like 15 years too too early for that. Right. And cuz there is almost no talk about open relationships no. or non And the thing is, is is if that had been Sam, mm-hmm. absolutely wouldn't have been a problem. Samantha would have been like Okay. okay. First of all, Samantha is down she for blowjobs. She loves giving head. Yeah. But but if it was something that Sam wasn't willing to do, but her partner really wanted to do, Sam would have been totally okay with that. They made it the Charlotte character specifically because she is meant to be the most prudish That's true. of all of them mm-hmm. as the foil for whatever it was that was going on. And then the other two weigh in you know, accordingly to whatever their value judgments are. But I think what it brings up is a really important conversation about... 
if you are going to be in, like, what is the dynamic of your relationship? What is the container that you want your relationship to be in? Do you want a monogamous relationship? Are there certain things that you don't want to do that you're like, that is really important to your partner. And if you're not going to perform that kind of, of act on your partner, if you are so adamant that you're not going to do that, is it fair to deny your partner that pleasure, right? Like if you really, really wanted anal and I was like, there is no fucking way I'm going to do that. Is it fair to cancel that for your partner or can you say, you know, that's something that you can do with someone else? But that, I mean, anal's kind of, that's kind of a, but. I think that the, and we've talked about this before, and I don't want any of our brave ones to think that we are anti-monogamy because of this no. type, the type of relationship that we're in. Absolutely not. But I think the problem is, is that. We're anti-monogamy by default right. and no the discussion. The problem is, is that there is no discussion, that people get together and they might have the like, are we exclusive, are we not exclusive sort of talk. But then once people become exclusive, right. there's no talk of what that exclusivity actually means. Right. And I think the problem with that is that if, if you don't have that conversation, then you never know those kinds of things like, okay... This is what I like. This is what I don't like. Mm-hmm. And the other person's like, well, that doesn't align with my desires. So I really like you and I want to, for all these reasons, but is there any way we can move, we can figure that sort of thing out, whether that's anal or whether that's oral or fucking piss play or whatever, whatever the person's <laughs> thing is. I'm very okay with you doing piss play Thank with someone you. else. I- I'm good. But, <laughs> and not to yuck anybody's yum, but no, the thing no. is, is that this monogamy by default position precludes the discussion of okay what if you're not willing or able to do the thing that i really want and that is important to me sexually Mm -hmm. like in that example of of anal sex is like well look if i'm not into anal sex and you're not into anal sex then that's not that's not a discussion but if one partner is and the other partner isn't what do we do? What do we do? Is that is that is that just the price of admission? Right. Or is there an alternative to that? Right, right. And and I agree with Dan Savage. I think that oral comes standard. Yeah, I think I think I don't think it's unreasonable to expect that oral is gonna come and standard. And I also agree with Dan Savage where there is such a thing as service sex where there are certain things that maybe it's not your favorite thing on the menu, but you do it. To please your partner. To please your partner, because that's something that you know that they really like. And that's where compersion comes in, where it's like, maybe they're, you're getting joy and pleasure out of your partner getting pleasure, even if you don't derive pleasure from that thing yourself. So that's a lot, but service sex should be distinguished from coercive sex. Yes. Service sex. Do this thing for me, otherwise I will break up for you, is not the same as, I'm not really into anal, but... I'm going to do it for you because I know you really like it. So here's a question for you. You're full of questions today. I love, I love it. it. I love it. I love it too. I love it. I love it. Do you think everyone settles? <sighs> the first time. Yeah, that's exactly what was running through my head. <laughs> I was like, how do I say it the first time? You think everyone settles the first time? I think that there is... It's funny because I got a I got a I got a Facebook message out of the blue from somebody Oh yeah who I think I'm gonna go and catch up with. Mm-hmm. This is the husband of 
Your ex-wife's what best friend. What used to be, I don't think anymore, and okay. I don't know. I'll find out. Okay. Stay tuned. Okay. The husband of one of my ex's best friends. Okay. And I remember very clearly when my ex's best friend and this guy got together. Mm-hmm. He was her on-paper guy. Okay. Right? Yep. Reads great. Everything everything aligned, right? Their sure. interests, their professional careers, all these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And she went and gave him kind of the highlight reel. Oh, is this the shapeshifter? Yeah. Ah. And then they got married. Mm-hmm. And he was like, but this thing. And she lied. And she's, and she's like, no, I don't do that. And he's like, but you did that all the time. And it was it was stuff like domestic duties. And he was super religious. Like to the point where and like she after, pretended to be super religious right, to the until point they where got like married. after sex he would jump in the shower because he felt unclean. Like that kind of like super religious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she pretended she was not super religious, but she went along with all of that. And then they get married and he's like, All right, like it's time to go to church or make my dinner or do all these things, which she happily did when they were dating. And she's like, But that's not me. Okay. And I feel like that is a version of settling mm-hmm. in the sense that you get a lot of people get to a certain point in their life where they're like, okay, I'm this age or I'm at this stage of my life and mm-hmm. I need to, and I haven't done these things mm-hmm. and I need to get those things done. Mm-hmm. So to get those things, things done, I'm going to have to do A, B or C. Right. And I think that when somebody has done that and then comes to the conclusion at a later point that. I don't want to do that anymore. That's not mm-hmm. who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm not living authentically. As, uh, authentically, and I'm I'm suppressing something or a bunch of things inside of me that are really important. Mm-hmm. I don't think that moving forward, if they divorce or break up or do whatever it is, that they're going to settle. They're going to they're going to realize like what the cost of settling was. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that moving forward, they're not going to do that. Right, and so I think that. People convince themselves if they feel any kind of pressure societally or from or from their family at a certain age, they need to, you know, knock it off and do whatever is expected of them. And I think you did that. I did. You definitely did by that. By attrition. Yep. I definitely did that. 100%. I felt I felt that pressure. Yeah. You're like, I need knock to it stop, off, be Stop being to, so slutty. And I, just, I need to stop being such a slut mm-hmm. and settle down. Get married. I guess this is it. And do all the things. And then you got married. I've had my fun. Yep. And you're like, I guess like this is just what happens. And when you left your marriage and when you ended your yep. marriage and you moved on, mm-hmm. you weren't about to get in another relationship Fuck like that. No, no, absolutely not. No. No. And, and, and when you and I met, it was so refreshing because this was the first time that we had actually had a conversation about, well... If there's going to be a relationship between you and I, what is that going to look like? Yeah. And it was and when I tell people that story, they're just like, Wow, I wish I'd done that. Well, because when we got together, it was never with the intention of a relationship. No, but but, but when a relationship became possible, it was like, Hey, we never talked about this. Let's talk about what it. What does that look like? Because you had made it very clear to me when we were dating that that you were not interested. <laughs> I was auditioning. For the oh starting god. lineup. Oh my god! I was hey, no shade. Mm. What what's that TikTok with that guy who's like, bro? Like you can't assume your position on the starting lineup oh. is secure. 
check in with your girl. Like mm-hmm. you're going to end up on the bench if you don't do that. Right. I knew right from the beginning what my place was. Mm-hmm. And that was 100 percent OK Mm-hmm. Because we had had a conversation about that. Right. But when there was a possibility for it to be something other than what we had originally kind of started seeing each other under, mm-hmm. we had to have that conversation. So the the probably the most honest conversation about relationships is when Carrie and Stanford talk about Stanford's grandmother and how she's very, very well off, very wealthy. Is this all in the first season? All in the first season. Holy fuck me, eh? And she, basically, she's going to, you have to be married yeah. to receive your part of the inheritance Yeah, apparently she she's dies. like super wealthy or something. She's very wealthy and very traditional. Right. And so he says to Carrie, look, what if you and I get married and I can get my inheritance and I'll share that with you. And you can do whatever you want. Keep you, keep you in the lifestyle for which you have become accustomed to. which you've become to. accustomed. Yeah. Keep you in designer, keep you in Manolo Blahniks. Designer shoes and for And your days. Upper East Side apartment, your brownstone. And I'll get my part and I can have all the cute little matching suits that I want. Yeah. And you can do what you want to do and I'll do what I want to do. And she's kind of, she's in bed with, with Big and it's kind of a cute exchange where she's like i got a, a marriage proposal today and he doesn't even react he goes oh yeah it's like that guy in the fucking love in paradise thing oh yeah he's so good he's really steven. good steven where she's like sometimes i feel like i'm single and he's like i'm not single i don't feel like i don't I'm feel single. like that yeah. and i i don't know and, what and you're she's doing like, i at the end of the day i don't know what you're doing when when you're not a, when i'm not with you and he's like same. Likewise. Likewise. Yeah. Yeah. And he's that's really what Big good. was like. He just doesn't even fucking. He just miss a would beat. not. He's, oh, really? he's like, oh, really? <laughs> and she goes, yeah. You know, Stanford Blatch, you know, and he's about to come into a really big inheritance. And Big goes, isn't he gay? Yeah. And she goes, he is. And it's kind of a, it's a cute little exchange between the two of them. And it's. And the Big closest, is supportive of it. The closest they come to. To talking about companionate marriages. Yes. Where what is a companionate marriage? Companionate marriages are a partnership where people may share a life, share experiences, share children, mm-hmm. share a home, but they're just friends, basically. There's and, no sexual and relationship. One, and one partner, each partner does sexually whatever it is that they want, and the other one goes, yeah, that's cool. Right. And she says, you know, I, I may just take him up on it. And Big says, what about sex? And she says, I have you. And I feel like that's one of the sexiest things, one of the sexiest exchanges that there is in the entire first season, for for sure, is that, you know, this, let's just live, let's just live in the real world yeah. where it's not a fucking Disney fairy tale. And I'm going to help Stanford out because I love him dearly. And the only way he can get what's coming to him is by being married, and I'm going to do that, and he's going to live his life, and I'm going to live mine, and I'm going to continue to see you and have sex with you, and we're all going to be best friends. And it's like, we I was watching that going, oh my God, that sounds perfect. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> and, I mean, Grandma kind of fucks it up because she sees right She knows that, that he's gay, and she's like, you know, he is a fruit. But if Grandma knows that... She knows he's never going to get married. So what is she, she so going to take the, the money? Is she going to take the money to the grave? I know. Like, why do you have to be shitty? I want to co- sort of bring this to a close. And, and we're going to do this 
every time we finish up an episode on this okay. is where Carrie and Big are. Oh, okay. Be- yeah, because they're because all over the map. Because that is the central relationship that threads through the entire series. And that is where it leaves off and picks up. So at the end of the first season, Carrie finds out that Big goes to church with his mother every Sunday. I thought this was later on. This is the end of the first season. Oh, yeah, no. When you talk about her wanting to get super serious really quickly, this is exactly what I thought about. Yes. Yeah. So she is watching churches because she's a little bit curious about religion yeah, and she's sex not religious. and that kind of thing. She's not religious. But she's watching a church in her area and she sees Big emerge from the church with his mother. And she brings it up to him and she's like, why don't you, you know, introduce me to your mom? After, why don't you introduce me to my friends? Why do you always take me to the same Chinese food yeah, restaurant? Yeah, well, that, I mean, that they've been, at this point, they've been dating for a few months now. But okay? this insecurity carries through this whole relationship in the first season. Her, her desire to rush things and create this linear relationship mm-hmm. based on milestones that are created in her mind and by society... Okay, where he's made it quite clear, listen, I need time. There's a time for everything. Everything, I need time. That's what he keeps saying to her. I need time. He's in his 40s in the first season. And she's in her somewhere. And she's in her mid, early, mid, early 30s. Right. And he's been married already. He's gone to the the puppet show. He's seen the strings, he's Mm. done the whole thing. He's very he's cautious. Not, yeah, he's not. He's in any very rush. well off. He's got his own shit. He's just like, listen, I just, I need time. Okay, it's all in the timing, and she refuses to listen to him. No, and he says, she's like, I didn't know that you were religious, and he said, I'm not. I, I take my mother to church on Sundays because that's a thing that we do. Right. That's a thing that I do with my mom on Sundays, and she is so. She's so anxious to legitimize the relationship between Big and Mm -hmm. herself that she pushes and pushes and pushes and pushes. And he's the kind of man, he's in his 40s, he's successful, and he's... Divorced once. Divorced once. He knows certain things about himself, and he's like, this is a boundary. Mm -hmm. Don't cross this shit. This is a thing that I do with my mother. Clearly, I'm not ready to introduce you to my mother yet. And she consistently pushes through his boundaries and does what she wants to try and get what she wants, except every time she does that, she gets the opposite of what she wants. Yeah. Okay? Which is kind of the definition of insanity. Yes. And selfishness. Yeah. And shows that she really doesn't care that much about him. She makes it seem like she loves him so much and he just won't return that love. She makes it clear over and over and over again that she doesn't give a shit about what he feels he wants, he's afraid of, his boundaries. And if this, if you flip that script and she was the one that said, this is a boundary for me, please don't cross it. It wouldn't be acceptable at all. No. No, no there's a double and standard so there for sure. she grabs Miranda. I was wondering which, I, I figured it was she Miranda or Charlotte. Miranda. Yeah. And they go to the church, First Presbyterian, that Big and his mother go to. And they sit up in the choir loft, which is, yeah. for the, the uninitiated, is right ab- is way above where the general congregation And it's sit. like above the entrance, basically. Yes. Yeah. 
and so as, as discreet as possible she says they're they're doing like recon on this and she sees him and his mom and his mom is a very elegant woman and they're kind of making fun of the whole thing and they pick up a choir a hymn book and she drops it by accident and it lands noisily like over the balcony she drops over it. the balcony and yeah. it lands on the first floor and everybody looks up including big and sees her and miranda up in the choir loft and is like he gives her a look like are you fucking kidding me right Man, now what are you doing here what are you doing what the fuck's the matter with you and after i told you specifically yes this is something i do with my mother and i'm not introducing you to her right now because this is something i do with my mother and in my own time. And in my own time. And then you show up here? And she forces it, right? Yeah. And so he does, intru- he begrudgingly introduces her to his mom. And she said, oh, it's nice to meet you. And there's, and Carrie is looking for a sign of recognition. Right. That he's been talking like, oh, about her. oh, you're Carrie. Right. Right. And there's none of that. Right? No, because he doesn't talk about his love life with his mother. No, because he's a 40-something year old man who's been divorced already and he probably doesn't have a super close relationship with her. No. So he doesn't share those kinds no. of things. No. And any woman who is looking to sort of glom on to the mom where you go, all these women that have have told themselves, if I just make friends with the mom, right. then, then I'm a I'm shoo-in. No, 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 no. That is going to backfire in your face every time. And it's not going to work on somebody like Big. And she says, like, I need a sign that you are committed to this. And he says to her, okay, let's take a trip. And she's like, I can't really afford that. And he said, that's okay. It's on me. We're going to go on this trip. Let me take you on a trip, right? Which for me would be like, amazing. Here we let's go. Let's go on this trip. She's and, still smarting from her French artist thing where she got the money. And he goes to pick her up. And she's been like doing a number on her head. And she comes out and he has the town car and he's ready yeah, to Raul go. Raul is there he's ready to go. He's got the tickets yeah. and everything. She comes out with her luggage and she says, I need you to tell me I'm the one. Oh, seriously? Fuck you, Carrie. I need you to tell me I'm the one. And in my notes I wrote, she's dating an older divorced man for a few months and then asks if she's the one. And that is, in that moment, that is what decides whether or not she's going to go on this trip. Yeah, and if he tells a- her, and if he tells her what she wants to hear, she'll go on the trip. And he says, "I can't do that." No, because he's not going to lie to her and tell her what she wants to hear mm-hmm. in order to manipulate her into doing what he wants. Because Big is awesome. Because he's awesome in the first season. Because he's awesome, mm-hmm. and he knows who he is, and he's not going to use manipulation and tell her lies. To get her to do what she wants. And this chick who has packed her bags for the trip, when he says that to her, is like... She says, I can't, I can't do this. All right. And fucking back up the stairs she goes. And he says, is that it? And she goes, yep, that's, that's it. And he goes, okay. And he fucking drives off. And that's the end of the first season. And everybody thinks, oh my God, Big is such an asshole. She broke up with him. No, 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 no. He's not the asshole in this. And the thing is, I remember, I remember in the first, like, I watched this... Maybe not in 1998, but shortly thereafter. I remember that. And I remember the overarching opinion of the people I watched it with was like, Big is a fucking asshole. Yes. And watching it now in 2021, Mm -hmm. going, nope. Nope. Big is not the asshole. He was very clear. Yep. Very clear. He was honest. 
honest and, and God, clear. And what is she teaching him by punishing him for his honesty? Yes. And, you know, you and I talk about there is no one. I mean, Dan Savage talks about it all the time. There is no one. You get a 0.8 that you round up to one. And what does that mean? What kind of a... She wants a guarantee? Yeah, she wants a guarantee that, that at the end of this trip and at some indeterminate point in the future, the relationship will progress through all the different stages, ultimately ending up with her marrying and having kids with Big. Right. That's what she wants. That's what she wants in that moment. Yeah. That's the promise that she wants from him. After they've been dating for a couple of months or something. A few months. A few yeah. months. And so that's where it ends. And this is where we're going to end okay. this episode. But it's so interesting that you say that, that the people that you sort of watched it with at that time were like, he's a fucking asshole. All he women broke her in their, heart. All women in their 20s. And it's like, she, when you rewatch it, you go... She broke up with him Mm -hmm. simply because he he didn't tell her what she wanted to hear. Mm -hmm. So instead of lying to her, he was like, "Ah, I can't. So instead of saying, I'm enjoying what we're having, what we have right now, I'm going to go on this trip with you, have a great time. She goes, nope, I'm done. And that's the end of the first season. Fuck. All right, guys. We got more of this coming. <laughs> we're going to have to do three seasons in the next episode because... Oh, oh my God. We're going to do seasons two, three, and four. The longest seasons of the thing in one episode. You're kidding yourself, but it's going to be fun trying. <laughs> we're going to get through this, guys. But I think it's worth the journey. There's so many great talking points about this yeah. about this series. And I think... I, I mean, I really enjoyed this first part. Oh, it's going to be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Please... Leave us a review. Follow the Follow. podcast on your favorite podcasting Share it platform. If Share you it. enjoyed it, let us know on our social media what you think or what you'd like to see or hear and what you thought. We love to hear from you guys. We hear from our brave ones out there, and it's always amazing to hear what you have to say. And we appreciate you listening, and we will see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.